Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Ninth episode of Cinema Psyops, the podcast that no hurricane force winds can blow away. Joining me all the way across the windblown city that lost cell towers, trees, and God knows what else of Omaha is my co-host, Matt. We almost ended up in Oz. I mean, the prison, not the place. But that's because of looting shit. But we're, we can't talk about it. <laughs> Actually, I okay. There's many things that are extremely disappointing about living without power for five days. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, other than living without power for five days. Right. There's there's many things about that that are quite angry. There's many things that are wrong with this storm and that we have learned nothing in the one that happened 12 years before that did the exact same thing. And then however many years before, you know, but had less wins than even this. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Putting all of that aside, I do have to say that I have seen the people of Omaha coming together and helping each other and doing the right thing. And like the heart of the people in this town, at least the ones that I've interacted with, and even I ended up helping and, and we were trying to take care of each other, you know, in, in the neighborhoods and stuff. Um, I will say this, at least the people were trying to watch out for each other. Yeah. Because fuck all anybody else did shit right. That's, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have nothing. Our mayor wasn't even in town for it. I mean, she needed to go see a golf tournament. <laughs> yeah, it's more important. Yeah, she has to keep up appearances for Omaha. Yeah. So we had our own. Our governor was too busy going around telling people that gays are bad. <laughs> yeah. To even bother to declare a state of emergency and help anybody out. There were people without power for five days. People have lost food. There are people that uh, probably could have died from heat exposure or who knows what else that could have happened yeah, in their homes. There. I'm telling you, the governor and the mayor should thank Mother Nature for bailing them out because after that storm rolled through, it was maybe some of the most mild temperatures I'd ever seen, even downright cool for the, for the first month couple of July. Of, for the first couple of days of it, though, yeah. the last two no, that I, mean, I but, had no power were awful. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying, yeah, the last two were bad. I'm just saying that the, the mayor and the governor got real lucky that... Uh, um, that it didn't go right to 90 degree temperatures again like it usually does in July in this state. Uh, if it was a usual time, uh, yeah, people would be dead. Yeah. There'd be, there'd be deaths. Well, and they right were like, now. they were like, you know, call a care provider, make arrangements with other people. Like they didn't even bother trying to get, you know, some kind of relief from a very clearly serious natural disaster that leveled parts of the city. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, at least the trees anyway. I know the buildings held up to it and everything. That's um, because it, that's because it didn't hit West Omaha is hard, and that's, you know, where their voters are. So what do they care? Yeah. Well, that's why they keep annexing further and further and further west to, yeah. you know, bring back the numbers that they want, because those are the people that they take care of. Anyway, fuck this. Bullshit. Fuck Let's, it. Fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, what really actually happened is the tall man is not happy with the in-depth coverage that we did of the first movie, Matt. That's we, a fact. He is pretty pissed off. We analyzed a little too deeply. We dug in and started asking too many questions, and we now have our audience thinking, Am I watching a movie or is this a chronicle or a memory of what the tall man is really doing? Right? Yeah. And if you're not doing that, folks, may I recommend you move yourself to a Colorado state and get yourself in that frame of mind? Yeah, start thinking about shit, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly what I meant, but okay. Um, All right. <laughs> uh, so that's why we had Hurricane Force Winds level fucking Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't fun. Yeah. Uh, now the fun stuff that actually happened during this, because I had no power for five days and I wanted to make the episode release, I packed up my computer yeah. and hauled it over to your house. Yes, you did. You got welcomed into the bunker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I went to the bunker. So while I was doing that episode release, you know, we're bullshitting and everything and I fucked it up. It didn't work, Matt. Oh, shit. Yeah. It posted it, but it didn't push it to any of the podcatchers out there. Like the feed didn't update from it because I screwed up the episode when I did the post. And you I, dumb bastard. I posted it. I posted it all around. Well, you were not going to shut up and you kept distracting me. So that's why I fucked it up. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I kept distracting you. <laughs> we hadn't seen each other. Let's be fair. We hadn't seen each yeah. other in a really long time. And I was too busy bullshitting with you and just having a good time. And I wasn't yes. paying enough attention to what I was doing. And I fucked it up. Yes, exactly. Then after I got done posting it to Facebook and I went home and I realized it didn't work. I was like, okay, well, I'll check 
check it, you know, later at night. And if in a couple hours it doesn't post, then I'll I'll fix it, you know, I'll or I'll find yeah. a way to try and fix it. So I forgot about it till I woke up at 4 a.m. thanks to my anxiety because that's what happens. And now let me tell you, I haven't slept very much in the last couple of days. I wouldn't think you have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I waking up like all the time worrying about everything and checking everything all the time. Yeah, that that was me. You know, I had yeah. it under control until this happened. I'm starting to get back to my routine and I'm, I'm feeling a little better, but. That happens to me every so often where I just fucking, I snap and I can't sleep or I, I go to sleep and then it, without fail, I'll wake up at two in the morning and that's it. <laughs> right. Well, I woke up at four in the morning and realized that it wasn't working, right? Um, yeah. Because like, by four in the morning, it wasn't working on like Monday morning. Yeah. Um, and I message Bo, who's about to go on vacation, and I tell him like, Bo, episode's not posting on... <laughs> on Overcast. It's not on iTunes. It's not on Podcatchers, Bo. What's wrong? And he's like, okay, no problem. Just get on there. Do this. Fix it. Bo, I don't have power at my house. I haven't had power for four days. <laughs> he's like, he's like, do you have the link that you used? I'm like, I don't remember what it was. I'm sorry. I was like, maybe I can get a hold of Matt and I'll go over there before work. <laughs> you know? And then he messages me back and he's like, was this the link? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was. That was it. You know? And he goes, yeah. okay, I'm taking care of it and i immediately switch from bo to oh thank you bob so thank you thank you <laughs> so we technically still made our release schedule it was just delayed by a couple of hours due to a technical glitch but the posting went when it posted it just didn't update any of the podcatchers out there so Did that's what happened. podcast daddy for helping you yes very much right. so and then i i told him you know thank you and then i made fun of myself and aggrandized myself like online social media <laughs> Like oh, saying saying that he deals with my good. whiny ass, which he does. He deals with my whiny ass. <laughs> I don't know if people realize this or not, but Cinema Psyops may or may not be the divas of Legion Podcast now. We whine an awful fucking lot. <laughs> well, one of us doesn't communicate with anybody outside of the podcasting world like a goddamn hermit. Yeah, well, okay. That's part of being diva-ish, all right? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I can totally <laughs> see that. You whine a lot, and I, I just shut down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. But we still do the coverage, and uh, now let's move. But we we still do the fucking show. Yeah, yeah. I still got the show out. It took a lot of whining and yeah. Bo's help, but I still got the show out. Yes. <laughs> All right, so enough whining and complaining. We are at 309 episodes. We're talking Phantasm 2 this week. Now, oh, yeah. you remember when we covered uh, part one, I said something along the lines of, you know, I really, really like this one, but I don't know if I can say this is my favorite. I know one of these other ones I love so much more, but I can't remember, or whatever right? Yeah, yeah. I was pretty sure it was two when I was saying that. I was just trying to be facetious because I didn't want to blow my wad, right? Uh-huh. So now I'm watching two and I'm like, I remember the movie, obviously, but I remembered something else happening and I'm like, oh my god, my favorite movie is the Phantasm movie I may have cut together inside my head. Oh, all the man. different scenes that I remember, you know, all the stuff that I'm like, this is cool, like a highlight reel. Like, my favorite Phantasm movie may be a construct that does not even exist. Ooh, man. Yeah. This is definitely not the Phantasm movie I saw, so I never saw one or two before. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Now, I can say that two is the one that I have definitely watched the most because it was okay. the and it was the one that I was exposed to the series with Phantasm 2 I mean uh, yeah. it, it was on like Stars or one of those other channels like a fucking ton that when might I was a have been kid. why I saw the, one of the other ones I know just this one was on Stars I, d I know that um, I think the other ones were on like the movie channel or Showtime like 3 and 4 might have been when we were kids when, I, when they first came out you know like that they premiered on those channels but I yeah. can't say that 100% for certain uh, but 
but I know this one was on Stars when I was like young, and this was the first one I saw. It was definitely my entrance into the series. And going back to one, and it being this more cerebral, more like investigatory, like you know, haunting, ethereal feeling film, I didn't have as much fun the first time I watched it because I had watched the second one and I had this like balls to the wall, let's just say it, Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two feeling interdimensional alien monster gore fest that's so much fucking fun and then going back to this you know very quiet very ponderous film when you're a kid you don't get it you it just doesn't it just doesn't work for you so it took until i got into my later teens that i went back to phantasm one and i decided that i needed to try and watch phantasm one as much as i've watched phantasm two if not more and i have surpassed that and i'm not going to do numbers because a it's way more than you actually think it is (laughs) and b it's to the point that it's embarrassing how many times I've watched these movies. Jesus. <laughs> Specifically one and two are I've yeah. watched the most. Like the, the later ones, three, four, or five, I, I haven't watched as much, but specifically these two I've watched a lot kind of like when I watched Fletch Lips I, I had this coping mechanism as a kid when I was miserable of just watching it, it, the it, same it, movie every day like ev- once a day every day at least over and over again yeah and of the, course these but, and also you watch Fletch like anytime uh, uh, that you know Chevy Chase is an asshole because <laughs> it reminds you of a simpler time before you knew that Chevy Chase was an asshole <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I watched Fletch Lives as many times as I have. But um, that was one of the movies. It was like, yeah, there's like four or five of them. And uh, so Phantasm 1, Phantasm 2, and Fletch Lives were movies that uh, for a while there, when I was miserable, and I rotated them, but I watched each of those at least once a day. Yeah. <laughs> for like yeah. like well, every day for like a, like a long time as a kid, like to the point where my parents thought something was wrong with me. And they it probably is. Yeah, they were probably I mean, right. There, I mean, there was something wrong with you. I, I don't know about <laughs> Right. But like Phantasm 2 is definitely um, the first one that I saw. And until I made sure that I got them at least somewhat even, you know, so where it wasn't so bad and that I can really get a good appreciation of Phantasm 1. I, I've watched Phantasm 2 the most out of all of them. Still, I'm sure, you know, by mm-hmm. like one or two more. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't tell. I've lost count, maybe. But I know it's it's more times than I'm willing to admit that I've watched these movies. <laughs> um, but let's actually dig into the film and let's get the discussion going on the movie here. Yeah, right? fucking right. A, let's do it. I'm all excited. Right. All right. So here's the Legion Patreon ad and let's get this done. This will keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me Cutting a New Show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing... All the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room.
I want to talk about the judicious reuse of material from your original film to bring you into the story of your second film that is your sequel. One of the things that you reuse and reuse well is your soundtrack, and that is why I am playing the Hearst Inferno from the first film, because they reuse it, because they reuse scenes in the first film as well, but they also reuse the music elsewhere, like where the score will work. Just wanted to point that out. Right. <laughs> yeah, judicious use of that. They even reuse things in this trailer. Phantasm, the delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit, a ghost. For 10 years, the secret of Paragord Cemetery has remained a mystery. Now, three innocent people are about to discover the ultimate evil. You think that when you die, you go to heaven. <laughs> you come to us. Phantasm 2. It's only a dream. It's a dream. No, it's not. Well, she definitely gives good trailer. I'll give her that. Uh, wow, way to give her right the end of the fucking movie. <laughs> Shh. Oh, right. My bad. Sorry about that, everyone. So anyway, Phantasm 2. Um, Electric Boogaloo? All right. First <laughs> 20 minutes. Haven't, haven't done that dumb joke in a while. I know, right? So, you know, there we go. Uh, we see a girl wakes up and she checks her stove. That'll come into play here in a little bit. And then uh, she talks about how she had visions of Mike and Reggie and of the tall man. And she goes through this notebook in which we have drawings. We then end up into that was actually going to be a clip but a flashback kind of breaks it the whole thing up so it's just like ah fuck it um, i found that you uh are showing a tremendous amount of restraint in okay. the amount of clipping that you're doing like i think if you learned how to edit you would be able to clip out the flashback sequences well i could clip out I could have done that. I, I, I also will say this. This particular movie was harder to clip, just to me. To find anything of substance that lasted long enough, it's a very visual movie. Well, they're on the run for most of it, so there's yeah. very little dialogue. I get that. Yeah. I mean, and then there's a lot of uh, Reggie um, narration, but those narrations are like almost 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and then we're into a another scene. So it's kind of just, fuck it, I'll talk about it. Okay. And I, I, I clipped together about three clips as best as I could. <laughs> one one for a very funny reason, too. And we'll get into that when it's done. So anyway, um, so we flash back to the end of the first movie. We see uh, Reggie, you know, sends Mike up there, you know, break glass, all that happens. And then Reggie hears something happening. He checks it out and he sees one of the dwarfs. Well, he runs downstairs, grabs one of the shotguns. It's not really loaded. So he while he's searching for more ammo, uh, he gets surrounded by a ton of dwarfs. And he starts jacking up the gas 
on the grill or on the uh, oven, uh, knowing that the fire in the fireplace is going. Hey, then he runs can, off. Can I ask you a question about this action that the where it starts on the actual uh-huh. new part of the film with all the action that's going on with Reggie, where he's yeah. rooting around for shells and everything? Does this not feel very much like Sam Raimi and Evil Dead, like what they're doing right here, and how Sam Raimi's Evil Dead goes, where it's still horrifying? But it's got this sort of like slapsticky, panicky, flipping around, falling on stuff. It's very much slapsticky in yeah. this movie. There's I, a lot of slapsticky. And and I also say this, that house they're in, that's somebody's house. It's not a set. Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody has enough time to actually make junk drawers. That's one of the things that just stuck out to me. He's going through drawers. And you can tell the drawers he's opening in the kitchen are junk drawers. They're filled with the max with actual stuff. Not with just papers, but with stuff. Looking for ammo. I'm like... They're actually, this isn't a set. They're just in someone's house. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. I can't remember whose it actually was, but I know for a fact yeah. that it is somebody's house. Um, now, the frantic nature of it and everything, um, when I was getting that feeling, I didn't kind of really realize it or not, but there's other evidence to point out that um, Don Coscarelli really enjoyed the style of filmmaking that is splat stick, because Sam Raimi is really, yeah. really kind of the pioneer of splat stick. You know, Sam Raimi and that crew. I mean, I, I'll take other submissions and I'll watch, you know, if somebody wants to say that it's no, no, somebody else did this before the splat stick and i could see where someone would say herschel gordon lewis but like the one that a lot of people really really will remember and like probably the people that even coined the phrase splat stick is is sam Ramy's crew you know those guys you know bruce and sam and and rob yeah. tapert and all those dudes and i was suspecting this without knowing any other information about the movie for a while for a you know for a good while as a kid you know because i i never really do a lot of research about the behind the scenes stuff of these movies because they're there's something where i like to get into them to the point where i like to pretend like they might actually be real when I'm watching them, you know, for the fun of it, like to like really get yeah. into it and get jazz. Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm somehow watching these people's lives. Right. So I'm demystifying that to do this series for the coverage for the show. I'm 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 giving that up and yeah. I'm, I'm learning more about it as I go. And I've always thought, man, this is so much like Sam Raimi stuff, you know, like this feels very Sam Raimi to me and it feels very splat stick. And this time around when I'm watching it, I'm really, really feeling it. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. So I just wanted to set that up and just say that that's what I'm talking about because I'm going to reveal some things later on when we get further into it as to why I was thinking that and then how maybe that came to fruition whenever I found out some of them behind the scenes and how the film was made. Uh, all right. But even the stuff with the dwarfs, all this action that you're describing is very much splat stick. And I'll, I'll just and, back off and let you do the review it's, now. It's still very funny that Reggie looks like he's aged about 10 years, but this is supposed to be same day. Um, <laughs> yeah, about, we, you know, nine and a half years, but you yeah, know. yeah, we see uh, the, uh, the dwarf are dragging Mike out of a room, of his bedroom, uh, face down. Uh, Reggie's able to avoid the tall man, and he knocks out one of the dwarves, um, and he grabs Mike, and then he sees that all the dwarves are starting to come upstairs, the ones they evaded. So he launches he and Mike out of uh, the bedroom window, and then the house explodes, killing all the dwarves, but not the tall man, as he had already walked out. Okay, we uh, gotta talk about the explosion here for a second, all right? right? Yeah, Did I mean, that looked like a pretty good explosion. It was amazing, and they filmed it from multiple angles and they reused that shot several times but it looked different every time even when well we'll we'll, we'll get to it but anyway um that explosion where angus shrim is walking away the actor himself the man himself is standing very close to an exploding house and he walks away like it's nothing that is of course that is you walk away from because badasses always walk away from something they just destroyed and not look that's why i always walk away from your toilet and i don't look 
<laughs> that sequence where it explodes and Angus Schwimm is just standing there as an actor, knowing that that explosion is about to happen. Everybody fucking winces. Everybody, at least a little bit. It's very subtle yeah. for most people, but like everybody at least reacts or Everyone winces. Has a little, you know, a, a reflex. Sorry, I have reflexes, motherfucker. Right. But Angus Schwimm playing the tall man. I don't know how he fucking does it, but he's just like dead to the world. Doesn't move during the explosion, you know, and then when it gets bright and everything, he's walking away, but he only looks to make sure he doesn't get hit by debris as he's walking away. Even that wince or, or that look back, it's kind of a look back like it, he looks annoyed, like, uh, this again. You know, like I'm a part of explosions every other day. Right. This is tedious. Well, and he doesn't even I mean- really, yeah, he doesn't even really look back. He just kind of turns to the side and glances. It's not like he turns yeah. around. He just kind of glances at it when he walks away, like facing, you know, he's already facing the side of it. Maybe, maybe almost like, God, these kids call that an explosion? Fucking Christ. That was a badass scene. And I was like, wow. Because, you know, you kind of know what Reggie's going for. He's turning on the gas like that. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be pitiful if they're going to try to do an explosion. Because I'm like, it just, I just don't know if they're going to have the budget. And fucking, they, they blew shit up. And I was quite proud of them for it. <laughs> oh, I thought I told you that this one was like, like it was a major studio tried to get oh, in on the franchise. I, I know it was a major studio, yeah. uh, but... Because, uh, you know, you could see it when it all the credits were coming up. You could tell that was a major studio. Um, I just, sometimes major studios don't give out all that fucking shit, though. <laughs> well, that's the thing about Don Coscarelli. He spends yeah. the money where it fucking matters, and he reuses what's something that's able to be reused. He, yeah. He is one of the most artistic yet budget-conscious directors that are alive. He's like, when Corman used to actually shoot movies, he was able to get these amazing-looking movies on such minuscule budgets with these, like, reused sets and various things like that. And Don uh-huh. Coscarelli knows how to stretch a budget but not sacrifice the look and feel of a film. I guess, because uh, not to spoil it, this entire film looks good. Right. Now, that explosion is definitely a big portion of this budget, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But it is so gloriously shot. Like, I felt scared for Angus Shrim the first time I saw this movie as the actor, the man, not the tall man. I yeah, felt scared yeah. that it, he didn't even... I felt scared when I realized it was, you know, he was obviously going to be safe, but like, I, I feel scared seeing that explosion because you're like, holy fucking shit, I this mean, guy didn't react to anything. I mean, you think that fuck up his goddamn hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Something, right? Yeah. But this film definitely, when it does that explosion, this is like what the first movie kind of should have ended with. You know, like yeah. they get away and you get some hope and that's how you get a sequel. But he never planned to have a sequel. So what he did was retcon the ending by just tacking on a giant fucking explosion. And your brain goes, yeah, that's how that movie ended. Yeah, Seriously, that's... you don't think about it. Like, and then you just go right into the rest of the movie. He's placating you with like, look, we're going to have fun. Here's a giant goddamn explosion in the first like yeah. five, ten. Minutes now, what do you think is going to happen? And we're, then we we're go on do, with the film. We're going to do some good stuff here, folks. You're going to be real proud of it, right? Right. Don Coscarelli knows how to make a movie that makes court psyops fucking happy. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, so anyway. Well, the girl says that, you know, now we're back to her, and she says she grew up with Mike, and when her grandfather's gone and dies, her visions will all come true, and that the tall man knows who she is. Well, she's calling out to Mike, and we see Mike can hear her, uh, and he's obviously in an insane asylum, and he meets with a doctor, and that is our first clip. Well, I guess you could say I just... Really went over the deep end. I mean, I got to the point where I couldn't distinguish fantasy from reality. That's good. Keep it up. And 
I don't blame Reg anymore. I mean, what could he do? I mean, the dreams have really just taken hold of me. Just tell him what he wants to hear. And besides, since <clears throat> I lost my family, Reg is really the only person I've got. He's the only one that's I gotta get out of here. She needs me. His dreams, I'm really looking forward to just moving back in with him and getting on with my life. There's a lot of things I want to do. It's been a tough seven years, but you've come a long way. Be well, Michael. And remember, it was all in your imagination. All right, so you remember how I said, no matter what, when you try to describe something or you try to get someone to believe you or you try to warn anybody or whatever, people are just mm -hmm. going to think you're a crazy person? Yeah. Well, look what happened to Michael. And yeah, exactly. We need to talk about it. Yes, Michael got replaced. No, Don Coscarelli did not want this. Yes, the actor who originally played Michael would have loved to come back to be in the film. Yeah. And I will say that this is the only one he's not in. He gets to be in all the other ones. Oh, okay. he does get to come back. Yeah. Oh, nice. He does come back and he is in all the other other ones but he just wasn't in this one just because for whatever fuck all reason they did that yeah. okay um i think it was probably studio pressure they had to get they wanted to have somebody else to try and make it Some more marketable strapping maybe. young lad right but i, I you know it, the guy who plays michael would have been the perfect age to play michael i think they just wanted to have james lagros to have james lagros and he doesn't do a terrible job in this movie he is good it's just he's not really the michael that we had yeah in the last one and he's written like the michael that we had but he doesn't perform it that way way and i just no. i just feel like maybe he was making choices that were making everybody else's life a little more difficult yeah but i don't think like on purpose you know yeah maybe yeah i just i don't I, think he was trying to make lives difficult well i don't i can't speak for his in actual intentions but it just yeah. feels it just feels labored to try and make him feel like michael to me for some reason um when he you know could have very easily been michael and i'm sure everybody would have loved to have michael back but anyway he does a fine enough job but i feel like any faults that i would have with this movie rest mostly on his shoulders well i, I i'm not gonna say you're wrong on that um well mike heads back to the graveyard right away he starts digging up some graves he opens up the boxes and they are definitely empty this shit is creepy as fuck dude this is yeah. like this is like ghost story serious gothic creepy awesome yeah it's really good stuff uh then reggie kind of gives us a nice little jump scare but he shows up and confronts him. Um, Mike tells him about the girl, his visions, all that. Uh, Reggie says that him blowing up his own house, all that never happened. That was all in his head. That was all the dreams. Well, they see he, Reggie wants Mike to meet his family and they see a guy coming up and he says, Mike, we gotta get out of here. If they catch you here, we're fucking done. So they take off in the fucking badass car, by the way, that makes its reappearance. The Hemikuda never died. Yep. Uh, Mike Mike has a premonition uh, of a stove being left on and the tall man saying, welcome home, boy. And he says the tall man's going to go ahead and kill his entire uh, Reggie's entire family. And sure enough, they pull up to the house and the house fucking explodes. This so, sequence is heart wrenching. Yes, because Reggie gets out bawling. His wife, his daughter and his aunt are uh, are all gone. Do you hear him screaming? Did you hear what he yeah. was screaming? We got to save him. We got to get him. We, we got to save him. Yep. We got to get him. I mean, when you know that they're all dead. Yeah. And Michael is trying to hold him back, and Reggie's yeah. just like he's gone. He's and Mike. Yeah, he can't Michael process knows, what happened. Michael knows exactly what Reggie's going through because the tall man cost Michael his entire family. Yes, yeah, but like slowly and over time, yeah. this is all at once, and Michael knows yeah. exactly yeah. how that feels. This is an escalation of 
epic proportions. He doesn't just try to warn him off, you know, warn Reggie off and not believe Michael or anything like that. Yeah. He is punishing Reggie for his previous interference. It's time for Reggie to pay the piper for what happened in the first movie. So by having this happen, I feel like what Reggie did in the first movie was something like it actually did take place. You know, the way that they foiled the, the tall man in the first movie, I feel like it must have taken place. And this is the tall man coming back for vengeance now that... Yeah, the tall man switched reality so that Reggie doesn't remember doing any of this to him. But he must have did enough to, to cost the tall man, you know, Mike, which Mike must be something special that if the tall man can get a hold of it. Whatever's inside Mike, then, you know, it's good for them. Yeah, he's um, after Mike for reasons we don't know and may never yeah. really fully know. Reggie didn't believe Mike. Tall man should know this. Tall man wants Mike to come after him. And the only way to do that because mike doesn't have any family left except for reggie is to blow reggie's family up that's what i think i don't think it's anything against reggie i think it's the only way to get mike to come after the tall man because the tall man needs mike or wants maybe doesn't need him but wants him for some reason and if mike somehow gets a happy life with reggie he might never come looking okay well here's how we really need to lay this out right yeah if you believe that the events that took place in the first movie that we were shown where they fight the tall man and win where reggie you know, closes the portal and all that kind of stuff. If you believe that's the case, then you draw the conclusion that this explosion is vengeance for that. Yeah. If you do not believe that, or if you don't know if that's real or not, or if you think the tall man is not one to try and get vengeance and doesn't care or whatever, then you're going to just believe for the very sadistic purpose of just making him get on the road. I think it's two birds with one stone, more or less. I think the tall man is petty and vengeful because of the way he likes to torment people. So I think it's both. I think he yeah. he needs them to get on the road obviously he wants michael to come looking for him so he doesn't have to go looking for him you know because yeah. he wants michael to be on the road he wants him to be a loner and he wants everyone to think there's something wrong with him and he wants to isolate him and you know by killing the family that's a perfect way to do it true enough i think it's both <laughs> yeah um well after the funeral reggie says he's gonna join mike on uh, his crusade to kill the tall man <laughs> yeah they, you better fucking believe he's gonna get some vengeance yeah. they go full evil dead slash macgyver and making a flamethrower and a four-barrel shotgun. Very much Evil Dead. And I, I like to include a little MacGyver in there. Um, I just want to talk about that sequence a little bit more than that. Go ahead. Um, them busting into the hardware store and then them making these weapons while they're in the hardware store. That is one of the coolest sequences. And now, I was saying that he's doing Sam Raimi and he's doing splat stick and all of that kind of stuff. But like he's doing it with his own flair and his own panache here. And this sequence particularly. It yeah. Rem- it reminded me a lot of some of the Dawn of the Dead shopping, only it's more dour and more grim and more, you know, like we got to do this and this is about vengeance and they're focused on what they're doing, but they're still having a little fun with it, you know, where they yeah, make the fake true. headlights and stuff. I also want to point out the way that they make those weapons, they would be extremely dangerous. Don't get me wrong, but that is functional. The film shows you in step how to make the weapons the way that they made them. These makeshift fucking flamethrower and and four barrel shotgun with the sawed version they kind of show you how to do it and and have it work yeah and true and like that's kind of dangerous and cool 
<laughs> and then the last thing that you didn't note is when they leave, Reggie pops open the cash register and throws like several $100 bills, probably more than oh, enough yeah. to cover everything. That I was going to say that. Yeah, they paid. Yeah. But okay, that's that's all. I just needed to mention all that. All right. Um, so then uh, they uh, leave and they pull up to a destroyed town. Uh, they it's say a fucking they know- apocalypse, dude. Yeah. And they say they know it's probably a trap. Um, the graveyard they check out is all dug up and empty. So they decide they want to check it out and they gear up and that's the end of the first 20 minutes. Okay. We need to really, really dig in now. I know. So I've- now we see what the tall man does to towns, what he was going to do to Mike's town, what he, you know, that in the first movie, this is, they don't just stop with the dead bodies. They then create the dead and take those bodies. And then they, then they just go on a killing spree. Yes. More or less. Um, the entire, he cleans out entire towns and he does small towns all over the place. And they're supposed to be smaller, small towns, but yeah. like that one town is like right along a highway, right? Like it goes, like mm-hmm. the highway becomes the main drag of the town. And how many of these towns can he clear out and get away with it? Like, is he making people forget that the towns ever existed too? Or he just kills everyone who fucking knows about it. And just keeps going and then like the next yeah. people and then he Because just... these are small towns, not a lot of people like leave. And then the ones who do leave, when you have a funeral for someone who is important to the town, they come back to visit and you nab them. So then before it's all said and done, the town's just forgotten. Ooh, I like that concept. That's really fucking creepy and eerie. I'm glad you thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I thought of it. Yeah. See, I Because was just... I remembered in the first movie when it was... uh. Thomas's funeral at the very beginning. Remember, that's what brought Mike back, or well, Mike Jody. or not Mike. Yeah, that's uh, what brought Jody back. Jo- Jody actually came back for. I'm sorry, his parents' funerals, and he was still there. But the Jody's friend who he talked to in the very beginning, one of the clips, he came back for Thomas's funeral. That's how he gets you. <laughs> that's a really good uh, catch, man. I really dug that. I didn't think of that before like that. Yeah, I just thought he just clears out. You know, he clears out the towns and then makes people forget about them. But like you're saying the same thing but instead of having to do it supernaturally you're talking about a very logistical way to wipe a town off the face of the earth and make people forget about it yeah systematically <laughs> and I that's mean, they got nothing but time yeah that's almost more horrifying right <laughs> Very. So fucking emotionless and cold and systematically cleaning out the town. Like, I totally see the tall man doing that. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) And the sequences that are, you know, where they're digging around through the towns or they're looking at these various abandoned areas that they go through, it's, like, just so gothic and horrifying and post-apocalyptic, otherworldly looking. Like, there's apocalypses where there's just, like, so much death and no one knows this is happening or they even notice it's just Mike and, and th- Reggie. Jesus. And then let's say there's a few people who didn't come who come back to visit. They come back to a damaged town with tall man already gone. Who's going to listen to one or two people about, oh my God, this town, this is such a thriving little town. No, I'll listen to them. They'll probably just look at it, shiver and turn around, walk away. Or even if they do call some other police force and say, hey man, all these people are missing. No one's going to care. It's going to go on an unsolved mystery show that's going to be forgotten in the bottom of a bin someplace, and no one's going to care. <laughs> and, the tall, and the tall man just keeps on going. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the really horrifying part of it is just the very simple logistics where there's only there's a handful of people he has to fuck with reality with. Because the reality of it is that people really are kind of genuinely that easily forgetting of something if they never really knew it existed. Like if a small town disappeared and someone tried to tell you that this town 
town was gone, you'd be like, I don't know what happened to it, but you wouldn't really care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they haven't been back there for 20 years. What happened to it? I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. My parents retired or my parents died. I showed up for the funeral and then I left right away. You mean now the town's dead? Well, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. Um, when my parents aren't living in the town that I grew up in, I don't know if I would ever go back to it. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, like I only ever go back to visit them and then I get nostalgic for some things that were around and I like the, the area, but otherwise... Yeah, that town could go away and I wouldn't care. Yeah. <laughs> that that's that's horrifying to me it's that he would very use horrifying. that that he would use that apathy in such a way. That's terrifying and that's awesome. And it's yeah. such a good fucking idea. I don't know if they intended us to think this way, if they really thought that deep about it, but I would not put it past Don Coscarelli to think that way. You know, like that that's the horror of it is that this, yeah. you know, to make you think about it. And these sequences are just so well done and it starts off with a bunch of action and it transitions into this like slow methodical hunt all around, you know, with the tall man hunting people in the town and slowly taking them out and then them going from abandoned ghost town to abandoned ghost town looking for clues to try and find where the tall man may be next, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, this shit could have been a really cool ongoing TV series, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The hunt of the tall man. Yeah. Hunt of the phantasm. There you go. But what we end up getting is a movie-length version of that instead, and the way that they do it in the movie-length version of this, there's not a moment where you catch your breath or you don't like wonder what's going on and are following them and getting into the Scooby-Doo part of the mystery where they're like, you know, running around abandoned buildings. Like there's nothing that's not tense or entertaining in some way, shape or form in this film. Exactly. Except for James LaGrosse's acting, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, Jesus, you know, it's just, uh, it is definitely something else that, uh, that this movie is, uh, that the adventure it takes you on for, for crying out loud. Yeah. That's it's just good stuff. Yeah. And we're only in the first 20 minutes. So let's, let's, yeah. let's get going. All right. I mean, I don't know how we're going to get through this thing. So <laughs> yeah, the next 20, cause we have just a lot of shit to say. Um, the next 20 we start through, they go through uh, a boarded up funeral home slash mausoleum and they decide to split up. Cause that's always a great idea. Um, Mike's going around. He finds a woman's body. Looks pretty well preserved, sitting on a slab. Uh, she's naked. So, uh, court. It's a naked uh, woman corpse. Do you want to thank the movie? Uh, yeah, I just had a mouthful of ice. Thank you, movie. Uh, there you go. Um, as Mike looks back, it's gone. It disappears. <clears throat> did you recognize so, that uh, beautiful young naked corpse? I did not. Really? No. Okay. I don't know if you remember this or not, but when we covered the Andy Sedaris movies, she showed up in one of the Andy Sedaris movies, and I said, "Holy shit." She was in Phantasm 2. Her name is Samantha Phillips. She was the actress in, let me see if I can find it. She was in Dallas Connection. That's when Which I mentioned one was it. She? she was the Samantha Max. So she was like the main character that was like our replacement before. Uh, you know, we, we had, um, uh, what was her name that was in like a. I think, I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, our main, t not, not Tara. She's not the one who kept stealing shit, right? No, not, not Tara. That one. No, no. Yeah. But she was like sort of like the, the amalgam of that or like yeah. a new version of that shit. So I got you. She was like the main agent in, in Now that. I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, well, that's funny. Yeah, and, and I said, holy crap, she had a poop job during that because I was really, really surprised. But it's oh, the yeah. same actress, so there you go. Well, there you go. Um, He rejoins up with Reggie and uh, they go down to the basement and they see a dwarf that's left.
stuff there. Well, when the hood comes off of the dwarf, it looks just like Liz. It has Liz's face. Then all of a sudden, a growth comes out, and it's like a little head from the back of it, and it looks like the tall man. And it tells him to, if he wants him, if he wants to find him, they need to head east. They flame it and run out of there, and they head east. We gotta understand that a lot of time has passed since Reggie's family died, because Reggie said it's not the first calling card he's ever sent, but it's the worst. So we're missing a lot in between shots where there's time that goes past. Now, let's talk about that puppet. Okay. The special effects and the puppetry in this are top-notch and are absolutely fantastic. This is some fine, Fucking wonderful. Work. It is disgusting. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's talk about the rating of this, right? This is an R-rated uh-huh. film. There is somewhere out there a version of the film that has been newly restored that got an NC-17 slash X rating like, and they would not come down on it without lots and lots of cuts. And apparently they're putting that footage back together. Now that's Damn. in the newest uh, Sphere box set that people can buy and I don't have that one. I bought the Arrow one ages ago and I'm hoping wow. that this one the extended version of part two will get released to a separate disc at some point because I don't want to have to buy the whole box set again but I fucking will for to be able to see that version. <laughs> I'll fucking do it. Yeah but can you imagine a film that had gore effects and stuff that were so gross that they gave it an NC-17 and wouldn't nah. budge or an, an X for that? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah it is. It's fucking gross. Like I still find it gross gross and grotesque i watched this on my projector right big fucking screen you know upscale to 4k so fucking gross yeah <laughs> still looked great and the way that the actress plays it is like horrifying because she's standing there crying sitting there crying with her her mouth taped and i thought she was yep. hunched over but you're right it is a dwarf body that they put her face on and then the mm-hmm. tall man comes out like a weird freddy pillar puppet thing and talks yeah. at him now that's we, exactly what i thought about was the uh yeah it now, was freddy krueger type shit the effects cr- that worked on this was recommended to Don Coscarelli by Sam Raimi. Now, in one of those, I, he looks at the toe tag for somebody in one of the mortuaries, and it says Sam Raimi on it as well. So those are two different pieces of evidence. I want to submit that Don Coscarelli very consciously wanted to make a splat stick film because yeah. he dug Evil Dead style because he has a Sam Raimi card. He gets Sam Raimi's like advice on the best special effects artist to get or who he should get to be able to do some of the stuff that he wants to do, and it's the same guys who did Evil Dead Two, which ended up being K and B, by the way. K and B effects. Yeah. I didn't know any of this until like later on watching the interviews and everything, but my suspicions were confirmed when I saw the Sam Raimi card. I'm like, yep, totally had some influence from uh, Raimi in Evil Dead, and I love that he took that and did his own thing with it, and it's so much more disturbing and gross, and this sequence is, it still haunts me, the sequence of that thing coming out of that girl's back. Like, there, you have, you get that burned in your brain. There are times when I'm trying to sleep at night, and my brain pops that image in into my head it's happened damn yeah because it's fucking gross like and just talking yeah. about it now i can't fucking not see it in my head like i don't want to close my eyes because i keep fucking seeing it it's gross and it's so fucking cool though <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and it's this is the point where i'm like okay you can't tell it's me uncomfy. yeah you can't tell me the tall or the tall man is not a sadistic prick who is clearly torturing people you can't oh, tell me that obviously is he yeah he gets off on this yeah Okay. Or it's says fun. Yeah, good. Okay. So now when I said that in the first movie, can you kind of see it now? Yeah, that I can kind of see it now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I've been letting slip a few things that like what's going to happen in the future, you know, in the reviews. And I got to try and not do that because there's certain observations and certain things that I have questions about that I'm knowingly saying differently. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> because we don't know at the time what the answer is, so I'm not going to give the answer. I'm just trying to put out the question and then maybe posit a not necessarily false idea, but also just an idea of what I originally thought before I knew the answer. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do when I do the review. Uh, this stuff that is happening in this sequence is this point where the, the monster comes out of the lady's back. This is where I fall in love with this movie as a kid. This yeah. is where I become a lifelong Phantasm fan because I'm so shocked, horrified, and grossed out by this. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm really uncomfy by it. It's just <laughs> shit coming out of the back is not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they give no fucks about your comfort level, Matt, because... Yeah, they do not. They're not worried about my comfort level. No. <laughs> Don Coscarelli wants you to feel uncomfortable because the tall man is evil he, incarnate. He told, me to, he told me to go fuck my safe space and about my comfort. <laughs> All right, we, we haven't hit it 20 minutes, so we need to keep moving. We're never going to get this done. I know, right? Jesus Christ. So then we cut to Liz is actually with her grandma. Well, Pop-Pop, he's dead, and they're going to his funeral. Liz's sister, Jerry, well, she leaves because, you know, fuck this family. Her husband, you know, is is spending too much time alone with their child, and apparently that's just fucking horrendous for the husband. So she's got to get the fuck out of there. Uh, Liz then starts walking around. She sees a dwarf walk around, and she calls out to Mike. Uh, Mike wakes up, and he, he's in a uh, hotel or motel. Gets Reggie going. Uh, apparently, Reggie stayed they've been at this now for six months well we see we cut back to the funeral the priest is drinking pretty good he says he's sorry lord but he must stop the desecration then he takes out a knife and stabs dead grandpa in the chest grandma sees this and she passes the fuck out as one would yeah um liz is walking around and she sees a steaming coffin and then she runs right into the tall man uh he says the burial services are soon and she walks away he has a little pin thing with some yellow shit on it and he sops that up uh she was actually holding that it was like a brooch or something like that oh a butterfly brooch and when she when he turns around she stabs him with it in the finger accidentally and so Ah, it's stabbed through his finger and he's drinking the liquid off of the end dropping off gotcha well the yellow Told shit's you I've watched pouring. This too goddamn much. <laughs> the the yellow shit's pouring out of pop pop. So fuck it, I guess. Um, that night the priest is getting hardcore drunk and he hears banging at his door. He thinks it's the wind and trees, but he hears banging again and he opens up like the little peephole door and there's dead grandpa just staring at him. The mouth stone shut. It's so yep. fucking horrifying. Uh, then Liz puts grandma to bed. Well, she hears some sounds and she turns around. And there's grandpa lying right next to her. In the bed as, with the knife still in him. Fucking horrifying. She screams, and that's the last of that 20 minutes. The knife's sticking in his chest, but did you also notice that his mouth was cut open, but the stitching was still sticking out of it, making it even more horrifying and grotesque? Yes. <laughs> Alright, we need to talk about the sadistic glee with which the tall man took this woman's life. This is not because it was the most practical thing. This was because it would be the most horrifying, awful thing that could have happened to her for her to die. Yeah. To send her dead husband's corpse into her bed with her this is the stuff of nightmares that she loses everyone so she lost all her children because only her grandchildren are alive yeah and and now her husband yeah so he's taking everybody slowly and this one and the The tall man's really just a fuck and the way that he kills her like instead of just like you know doing something that would have made it look like a heart attack just to have her or whatever you know what i mean like he does this specifically because it will make her suffer the most before she dies so you can't tell me he's not sadistic oh yeah he's definitely sadistic. (laughs) this shit like it keeps ratcheting up like you thought the thing in the back was bad enough and then you got 
got like dead grandpa running around scaring the shit out of everybody and like literally scaring his own wife to death you know right? Liz just lost her fucking grand- her grandfather and now she lost her grandmother to her grandfather's corpse I mean what the fuck movie <laughs> oh man Jesus Christ tall man you you play a hard fucking game <laughs> this is the thing that I love about this movie though because like the tone is kind of wacky and fun for a lot of the stuff that has Mike and Reggie running around fighting him and then when we get into the horror it like goes so fucking hard edged but it still has that splat stick feel to it where it's just like so over the top you want to just like kind of chuckle about it because you're like ah look at that you know he's dead long there but the more you think about it you're like Jesus Christ he just killed that woman by scaring her to death with her dead husband <laughs> yeah because that was the easiest way to get another corpse for, out of her that's fucking grotesque that's a that's some hardcore shit right there yeah like the horror is in these movies if you look and if you pay attention and if you can feel any kind of empathy for your fellow human beings like you can see the hardcore horror it's not yeah it's, it's there fucking horrendous yeah that's yeah. <laughs> fucking great this movie really fucking gets to me dude i love it well i mean we start the next 20 minutes uh dreaming mike sees a woman hitchhiker who looks like just like the girl was on the table she's hitchhiking they pass her well, anyway, Mike wakes up, and guess what? Reggie actually picked that hitchhiker up. She's real. 50 miles back. Her name is Alchemy. Nothing well, scary they, about that. No, nothing at all. Well, they pull over for a piss, and because you hear the piss sounds, that's actually our next clip. <laughs> Reg, this girl's in my dreams, except when she's in them, she's dead. I think for her sake, she shouldn't get involved with us. Well, your dreams always come true. No, not exactly, but pretty damn close. <sighs> Shit, Mike. Have you looked at her? <sighs> you know, we've been out here a long time. <sighs> Besides, it gets hard on the road. Reg, you're thinking with your wrong head. This girl, she's in danger. Okay, okay. So she's in danger with us or without us. At least with us, we can protect her, right? I mean, isn't that logical? Yeah, in a horny sort of way, I suppose it is. Looks for me. So, uh, Kemi, where are you headed? Um, to my hometown, Paragord. It's about 20 miles down the interstate. Paragord, here we come. All right, we also need to talk about this clip. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie. Reggie fully admits, look, man. I'm fucking horny. That's why I picked her up. Exactly. Reggie, Reggie fully admits he's a, he's a man with needs. Yeah. He literally says it gets hard on the road, like kind of showing his dick to Michael. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. <laughs> like and the way that Reggie plays this though, like it's not, it's like not even fucking creepy. He's just being honest. He's like, dude, I need this. If it's going to work out for me, let me have this. Right. Bro, help me out. Be a bro. <laughs> Right, exactly. And the thing is, though, like the way that Alchemy and him are kind of hitting it off in the car and like the looks that they're giving each other and the way that they're talking, like Reggie's been working on her and just kind of like getting up to know her and everything and like, you know, getting to know her and talking to her and doing his thing. So Reggie's been working on this chick for 50 miles. You can't just expect him to just, you know, <laughs> abandon that. It's 50 miles worth of work. Yeah, but she's also been kind of working on Reggie, is what I get. Yeah. Like the way that they're getting along in the car. And then she comes looking for him, like when he's barely even done peeing. Like, you know. Yeah. Okay, I, I think I think they're kind of hitting it off, and I'm digging it, you know? And I'm like, yeah. oh, I can understand why he's asking Michael that. And you know what? His points are valid, even if they are just because he's fucking horny. His points are still valid. Very much so. 
Liz uh, finds Grandma missing with that pin with yellow shit on it. And here's the tall man to come tonight to get Grandma. Well, uh, then we cut to the guys driving through Al's town. And it's deserted. Looks just like the other towns. Uh, Liz finds uh, Papa's grave. Come back to her. Uh, and it's empty. And the tall man says that he has them both. Uh, the group drives up to Al's uncle's bed and breakfast. It's all boarded up. Uh, they see a light on and shades clear. Closing. So that seems weird. Uh, not in the bed and breakfast, but in a different house. Well, they comment on it too, where they're like, they're yeah. either too scared or they're too far gone or something like that. And yeah. That, you know, come out. yeah. And they're not, they don't really have to worry about them. Yeah. They get into the bed and breakfast and they booby trap the fuck out of the place. Uh, they say they're going to leave Al there because it's totally safe and they're going to go check out the graveyard. Uh, we see then Liz is inside the funeral home. She's spying in a mortician, draining blood from a body and then pumping the yellow shit into it. Uh, a guy walks past her, uh, Carrying a casket. Um, he, she hides though, so he can't, you know, see her. But uh, bring in obviously another body. The guys pull up and they see uh, a grave digger uh, helping the tall man. And they decide, you know, they've seen a few of these guys before, and they're gonna make sure they check everything out. Uh, uh, and the, they don't see the tall man. They just recognize that the grave diggers help the tall man. Um, Liz is walking around, and uh, the we see the priest praying. Um. The priest then comes in, he checks out this little black coffin, and it's making noises, and when he opens it and tries to touch inside, it zaps him. When he's walking away, the tall man appears, and uh, he says, you know, you may think it's like the line from the trailer. You think that when you die, you go to heaven. You come to us. Yes, and then chokes him with his own rosary. Um... Uh, the rosary breaks, and uh, he uh, runs away. I could masturbate uh, to that scene as a teenager. That's okay. I mean, on the association, man, that's that's cool. <laughs> how you live is how you live. A priest uh, being hung by his rosaries while that line is delivered, and I come yeah. like that, dude. It's nothing. Um, well, then, after he runs, the box opens up, and three of our metal balls show up. So fucking sweet. Yeah, one of them's gold. Go. Yes. Uh, Liz is walking around. The priest grabs her and tells her that her grandma's gone and that he is harvesting the whole town and they got to get out of there and stop him. Then all of a sudden the ball comes by and one of the balls comes by and cuts off his ear and then drills him right into the head and pours all his blood out of his fucking skull. So, uh, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> the ear cut off thing where it flies past, it's so perfectly straight, slices yeah. off everything perfectly. It's so grotesque and just instantaneous. And you see the ear flying off like because it takes it off and then the ear slides even faster you know like oh yeah like right after it, the ear goes flying right after it so it's it, all good shit yeah the effects in this are incredible and just so well done and that priest's death is awesome yeah yeah agreed it's very good yeah it's orgasmic um, man it's orgasmic is it orgasmic that's <laughs> fucking all right let's just settle it down jesus christ <laughs> liz gets up she goes to run but the tall man catches her um by the neck throws her around uh then dwarf grandma shows up to try to get her but liz knocks her out 
Um, Liz runs out and into the graveyard where she then she runs and she falls into a grave and she meets up with Mike. Uh, they make out right away and then Reggie shows up and they hide as they all watch two hearses drive by and that's the end of that 20 minutes. All right. Jesus fucking Christ, man. So much shit in this, yeah. this sequence, man. Grotesque stuff. The death stuff. scene was fucking the best. <laughs> the action just never stops and it keeps escalating and it keeps working up and then when they finally get away and they get a bit of reprieve and they might go hide or whatever it is that they're going to do then it just sort of like gets to this point where you have this feeling of well is it going to come for them tonight when they're hiding out you know yeah <laughs> like it just never really gives you a moment to catch your breath and you just realize that they've been living at least six months like this yeah just constantly running until they find him and they're not even running away they're running to him they are taking the fight to him in this movie yeah <laughs> the only reason they leave is because they're trying to rescue the people that were in the mortuary at the time yeah exactly um yeah man it's just it's fucking going crazy i fucking it's, it's a fucking great film because you just you're never comfortable <laughs> right but like you're always entertained because you're constantly and yes. worried about these characters and you're engaged with them and you care about them I even care about the new Liz the new character that got added and the way that they have her added in where they're just retconning that she's always been psychically linked to Michael and that's how she knows all this stuff it's a great yeah. it's a great way to tell us to bring us into the story if you haven't seen the first one which I didn't at the time it brought me right in got me hooked and ready to go and in the sequences where she's dealing with the deaths of her family and her loved ones and the stuff with the priest and she's freaked out but she still knows what's going on and still is investigating like she's a very brave girl and you really get endeared to her character in these sequences yeah uh, i agree uh yeah she she came in very very well done to bring a new character in feels very seamless yeah it works excellently and i i feel like don coscarelli may be the only person that knows how to do a fucking sequel to his own stuff you know maybe like really knows like every Everything works so seamlessly. I'm convinced that this was all part of the first movie anyway. Typically, a sequel fucking ruins the fucking franchise. (laughs) Usually, yeah. Not in this case. No, it just builds on it. And it keeps building, dude. That's the best part. Yeah, it keeps going. Yeah. Just keeps going. This movie. Just woof. No, I mean the whole series. Let's move. Oh, the whole series. Well, that's even better. Yeah. Let's get going. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, we're starting out the next 20 minutes. They're back at home base at the bed and breakfast. And that's our final clip. Well, the priest saved my life, and just a few minutes later, I saw him get sliced and diced by some flying Cuisinart. So you've seen it, his sphere. She's seen it, Reg. I told you, I had a funny feeling about this place. I took my grandma, turned her into some kind of... Dwarf. Yeah, no, we've seen it before. He, he crushes him down and... Ships him up to God knows where. Yeah, you got Mike's brother. You got my whole family. Well, I don't think we ought to wait around this place just waiting for him to come and get us. You're right. But I think we only got a couple more hours till daybreak. And the traps on the door should keep us safe. I tell you what, um, why don't we just get some shut-eye, and then we'll just bang out of here in the morning. Yeah, I could use some sleep. Come on, I'll watch over you. I'll watch over you. So fucking smooth the way he says that line and her. Yep. Well, then Al takes off her shirt, and uh, she and Reg, uh, they go upstairs to go bone. Uh, Liz and Mike have a discussion in their dreams. 
uh, that uh, they have a very special connection. Uh, they're dreaming and they can talk without moving their lips. Yeah, they Reg can and Al, read each other's well, minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reg and Al are, are fucking, and uh, uh, she loves his bald head. And uh, this is kind of a very funny Evil Dead Ash esque type thing to happen to to Reg. He just his face is fucking hilarious during this whole scene. Um, so Sam Raimi and crew and the guys when they did the Evil Dead TV series Ash versus Evil yeah. Dead. This is very much like the sex scene in the opening of the very first episode of Evil Dead. Yes. Where he's plowing that chick from behind <laughs> in the bathroom, you yeah. know, and he says lines like, well, maybe we should focus on me and it's like, it's all kind yeah, of comic on phone. Hey, maybe we should focus on me for a second. <laughs> yeah. And the sequence where she's like, I love your bald head, where like, Reggie's clearly like, freaked out by it, but like, it feels yeah. good and she's fucking him like a champ so he's just well, they, dealing with they're it. They're having rodeo sex. Yeah, she screams woohoo and like, she's riding him and shit and the actress who's yeah. doing this is she's having a blast samantha phillips is just like going for it and there's a sequence like towards the end of the sex scene and we'll get to it but like i feel like the actress was laughing because she was having such a blast blast she lost i think so yeah she broke character for a second while she's laughing but then found a way to make it seem like something else so anyway they hear a big bang like uh, one of their booby traps going off and that's what um, when the big bang happens he throws her to the side that's when yeah. she starts laughing but then brings it back into character where she's like that was a lot of fun and she doesn't even care that there was an explosion because she just had some great sex right well reg and mike both go to check it out and we see a hole was blown out of one of the windows and it seems to be an animal got cut up one of their traps blown against the wall mike states that he wants to stop the hunt tells reg you're a retired you're a former ice cream man and he goes we have two people now who we want to be with and we want to protect them and so they kind of agree they're going to stop the hunt for the tall man uh well just at that moment the tall man takes liz grabs her you know she goes searching through windows and he's outside of one and grabs her well the guys are going to go get her back al wants to go too but reg tells her hell no to take Liz's car and drive south for 100 miles. And then they'll meet later. Uh, as they're driving the car, uh, the, the badass car, they're following. And Reg is getting ready to shoot the tall man before the tall man swerves his hearse. And in the most tragic death of the entire movie, the car flips. Uh, Reg gets stuck, but Mike's able to get all the equipment out and get Reg out before the car blows up. It's the saddest death so far in the movie. This is horrific because there was an actual car destroyed for these sequences. I don't know how many actually got destroyed, but the world is poorer a Hemikuda or more because of this sequence, and it really, really breaks my heart. There's a few muscle cars that you connect with just when you first look at them, and you just kind of see them, and you're like, that is one cool fucking car. Like, you just, yeah. like, it just connect with I'm them. not a big car guy, but there are a few muscle, but my favorite types are muscle cars, and that's one of them. And it just breaks my fucking heart. Yeah, the Hemikuda is a beautiful fucking piece of machinery. And watching it get so fucking violated like this is one of the most egregious things the tall man has ever done. Even worse yes. than killing that woman the only thing with worse her own husband's corpse. The only thing worse done to a muscle car other than that was some asshole slapping a Confederate flag on one. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's the only thing worse than what was done to this car. <laughs> I have no argument. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Liz is taken to the crematorium. Uh, and then we see the guys, they're getting to the funeral home. Um, there's a dude preparing the chamber for Liz. She wakes up or pretends to still be asleep. Um, 
in the bombing room, as they're searching, Reg actually pours acid into the yellow shit. Uh, so remember that. Well, and uh, he also and- he says something along the lines of watch him try and embalm somebody with this shit. Like he's like getting yeah. like it's like this funny little like thing that he takes the time to do. Like Reg is just doing a little fuck you to them. <laughs> Yeah, right. So, um, they then find this lock that has two slits, and they determine that one of the balls will open that, and that's probably the doorway into the tall man's world. Um, They added a security door to it this time. Yes. Right towards the end, right before Liz is going to go into the embalming chamber, she wakes up, she hits the dude right in the nards, and then throws him into the crematorium, locking him in, burning him alive, and that's the end of that 20 minutes. That was pretty horrific, but at the same time, he was going to do that to Liz, so whatever. Yeah, whatever, but his screams really made that fucking worth it. Oh, and the grody, melted hand hitting the window with the greasy stuff coming off where the fat's already rendering underneath in the the heat, yeah. The the actor did a great job screaming uh, in like a very painful way. Like, fuck, yeah. my nerve endings are melting away, and that does not feel good. How did you like this interior of the mortuary versus the previous movie's interior of the mortuary? The other mortuary seemed like brand new in a town that was still alive. Um, I think they both make sense for each movie. The first mortuary was in a town that was still very much alive. This one is in a town that's in the process of dying. So the mortuary is much more broken down because there's no upkeep to it. Right. And the hallways and everything, like with all the pillars and everything, did you like the way that the marble and everything looked in that one? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Did it look like it was a much more upscale, fancier marble in this mortuary? Like it was even a bigger mortuary? Did you get the sensation that this was an even huger mortuary? Than I, got a, I got a feeling it was bigger, yeah. Okay. You ready to have some uh, some more mind-blowing shit thrown your way about these movies? Sure. Those were sets that they kind of built themselves oh. by the crew, like especially in the nice. first one. Yeah, it's like really, really cheap plywood sets where they just kind of threw them together and they made it look like marble and they made it so convincing and beautiful using like shelf contact paper that looks like marble. They just laid yeah. out the sheets ever so gently in both of them. You can tell if you really, really look, but for the most part in those shots, like you can't really tell at all. Like it tricks your mind so beautifully. Like even though I've told you that and ruined it and you can start to look and you will find the contact paper if you look for it then if you just get back into the scene and don't look super super close you you just totally forget about it and it looks like marble again and it tricks your brain i don't know how they did it but they did it so masterfully and so beautifully the way they built those sets that's awesome yeah the marble is just shelf contact paper or something like that that looks like marble it's incredible that is i mean it was really well done really well put together (laughs) yeah and i figured this would be a good time to talk about it because we're about to get into some crazy fucking shit and i would forget it if i didn't bring it up now and it's a good thing to talk about at the 20 minutes yes well we're getting ready to go into the final 20 Uh, let's do it liz is running around and here's uh someone call her name a ball comes along and it's getting ready to hit her and mike uh tackles her saving her they are attacked by another one of the goons helping out the tall man and this is where i realize i don't think the balls have any kind of allegiance i think they just kill whatever's moving uh because the ball then goes around and uh hits the guy in the hand trapping him another ball shows up and the dude cuts off his own hand to get away from it mike and liz they lock themselves in a different room uh then we cut to red just walking by and he's attacked by a grave robber and we have a chain we're getting ready to have a chainsaw fight but not yet 
the we cut back to uh, Liz and Mike, and the ball blows through the door. Mike and Liz then hide, and the ball is searching for him with a laser, and that laser kills a rat. It throws out a fucking grid. This thing is terrifying. It's super high yeah. tech. Yeah, super high tech with but with no allegiances. I feel that's, like that's another thing. I feel like these things are just set to kill, and then like yeah. whenever there's a problem, they're just gonna fucking kill. Yeah, and, and they're like, don't get in its way. Like whoever the operators are, or whoever releases them, they're just like. Just make sure you're not in their way because we don't have any way of marking you as safe. Yeah, they don't lock on to a specific person. They just embed they lock themselves. They anything. Yeah, at least in this movie, they're kind of mindless drones that just attack living flesh. Pretty much, yeah. Keeps chasing them in a very uh, somewhat evil dead way, uh, you know, going through all these doors. Yeah, like it's breaking through the cabin. Door. Yes, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. That was awesome. Yeah. And they get th- until they get behind a metal door. and But we see it's starting to slowly burn through it. Well, the one-handed get man attacks, but the ball busts through and digs its way into his back. And then it goes all the way into his body, up into his throat. You see the bulge in his throat. And it's just pretty much clearing him out from the inside. Yeah, this was was horrific, and I would love to see the longer extended cut of this if it exists. Yeah, that was kind of fucking awesome, though. I mean, that guy deserved it. So This is where it gets splat stick because it goes so over the top and so ridiculous that he's still able to move and feel until it gets away, like, where it drills all the way up through the end of his mouth, you know? Like, it's so horrific, but at the same time, it's so over the top that it becomes, like, excessive and humorous, but, like, horrific at the same time. (laughs) Um, Well, the ball's kind of stuck in his body. So they just leave. Um, then we cut to <laughs> what else Reg- are you going to do but walk away from that, yeah, right? Just like, well, let's just go. I guess we're done. Um, Reg is in the middle of a chainsaw fight. Uh, unfortunately, Gravedigger's chainsaw is much bigger than Reg's. Dick joke. Uh, yeah. And it gets knocked out of Reg's chainsaw, gets knocked out of his hand, and he's forced to kind of just have to constantly evade, evade, evade. It's like a lot of cat and mouse with the chainsaw. Finally, uh, Reg gets his chainsaw back and cuts the guy right through his dick. Uh, then all of a sudden we see dwarves start coming out and Reg's shotgun shells all got cut off of his of his body because they're on a on a sling. But he has the shotgun, but now he only has one shot. But it's four shots because it's four barrels. So it's like six of them, and he blasts them all, killing them all. Amazing! This is like my favorite part of this movie where that he does was, the four way shot. I it's fucking awesome. love that gun, and it was you only got to use once. It's just it hurts. <laughs> Brother, let me tell you, you're gonna biggest... enjoy the rest of this series like you won't yeah, believe. Yeah, because that's the biggest blue balls I ever had. It don't get me wrong. The scene rocked. I just would have liked more. You are not more the only. The you are not the only one. And Don Coscarelli hurt us all and addresses it. He does. Oh, that's great. I, I'm starting to really like this guy. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm starting to really. Like, I think he's uh, he's he's doing smart stuff over here. Um. So, uh, Al is by in Liz's car, but apparently it's stalled out, and she's walking, and or apparently it's stalled out, so she's just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Mike, uh, he goes and grabs the spear that's embedded in that one dude's hand that cut his hand off, and Reg shows up, and he says, apparently, they go dormant when they're embedded in human flesh. Well, we see Al walking, and she finds herself a hearse, and she's checking it out. Well, the guys get to the door, and they plug in the ball, and of course, the door opens and we see the white room uh we see dwarf containers and the doorway the two metal poles and to the other world well the tall man shows up mike gets pulled into the doorway reg grabs him and he gets pulled in but his feet 
catch the one of the metal poles, so they're kind of just drug in there. I love that Reggie keeps a frame of mind just enough to know that he can wrap his feet around the poles to catch himself, and you can see him cranking his ankles forward to make hooks to keep his feet on there, and then yep. working to try and pull them both back. It's really fucking cool. This sequence is so fucking great. Oh, yeah. Um, as uh, in the Red World, this creature starts breaking, or one of the dwarves, newly born of its tube, starts breaking out and crawling towards the guys. Um, the tall man takes Liz, and he's gonna embalm her with the yellow stuff that we know is acid. Mike is able to get out and pulls Reggie out of the doorway. Um, they release the ball from the hand, uh, and it embeds right into the tall man. Well, he pulls it out and crushes it, and then we see this weird tentacle come out of his head. Well, they break it off, and then Liz stabs him in the back with the yellow fluid that's with the acid, burning him completely up. And that was kind of a cool effect. Okay, so the thing that sticks out of the head, uh, James LaGrosse was horrified and grossed out and disgusted by that thing. So the way that he reacts when it comes near his face, that's all real. Yeah, because it is gross fucking yeah. disgusting yeah and then when he had to pull that thing out of his head and stuff like that he did not like that at all the meltdown makeup was actually initially going to be four stages but the third stage looked goofy and didn't look right so they just went one two and four or something like that uh-huh. they got rid of one of the stages but in the cuts and the way that they dissolved back and forth the melting down of this this was my first exposure to a meltdown sequence and i was so grossed out and queasy from it i wanted to find more so oh, I, of course i started looking for movies that had people melt in them of course you did (laughs) just because it's so gross to be out i wanted to see it again jesus they start burning the place down and al pulls up in the hearse and they all take off inside of it uh with mike and liz in the back of the hearse and reggie up front uh they check the casket in the back it's empty thank god then al closes the window that's to the back and then as uh reggie's kind of saying sweet nothings to her she caresses the side of her hair and it falls out showing blood which means she's not of one of us um the car swerves a lot you hear reggie screaming uh they we're now in the back with mike and liz then the car stops and we see a very beaten up and cut up reggie on the window he falls down and they in the car take the hearse takes off and they keep telling each other, Mike and Liz, they tell each other it's just a dream. They're just dreaming. It can't hurt them. The window comes down. It's the tall man sitting there now. He said, no, it's not. And then they get pulled out of the back window by a couple dwarves. Roll credits. When Don Coscarelli first did the script for this movie and he was trying to think of how to kind of do a sequel, because in the 70s, when you made he made the film originally, he was not thinking of doing sequels. He was just the, the end was going to be the end and then you do another movie because the, the way that he always did things was like, I just, you know, the people that he admired and the people he wanted to pattern his filmmaking career after, the, the masters of filmmakers that were his inspiration, they didn't do sequels. So he never really thought of it and he didn't plan it out. But then he started getting the inclination and wanting to do it. So so he was trying to figure out a way to bring us back into that world. Like, how do you pick up where you left off? And he's like, you just pick up where you left off. So that's what he did. Yeah. And not only did he do that, but he expanded it. And he does it in such a way that for the longest time, no matter how many times I saw the original as a kid, I always confused the fact that what happens at the beginning of Phantasm 2 with the explosion and everything doesn't happen in Phantasm 1. And you yeah. know what? As a fucking adult watching it this time, I was like, wait, I thought the house blew up. Like my head, my, my mind uh, went 
went to that again. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like I'm just they they all become one giant movie in my head. You get what I'm saying? Like they just yeah. like they no, all meld together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this one, like when I'm watching it, I'm starting to be like, holy fuck, this movie's fucking with me because I could have swore that explosion was in the first one. You know? And like I was, yeah. I was thinking, like, no, I watched that movie. I watched all of it. There was no explosion in that one. It's only in this one. But it feels like it's the end of the movie. And like, if you wanted to, you could super cut these together too, man. That would be fucking amazing. I may do that someday. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, picking up where it left off, picking up steam, bringing in the elements of splat stick that were really kind of coming to fruition in the 80s and that Sam Raimi really kind of championed and like liking that kind of stuff and wanting to make it his own and, and doing his own thing and mixing stuff together like that uh, with the, the themes and the feelings of the movie where it goes from splat stick to like absolute abject horror still brings in this ethereal gothic stuff. We didn't even talk about it, but that sequence where they're walking across the graveyard with all those dug open graves and they're just trying to stroll casually along and be quiet and not fall into one of those when there's very little room to walk. They're like, you know, the sections between plots that they're digging out these the tombstones in is what they're walking around in and there's just nothing but open graves and it's so dangerous and so scary and creepy and there's just fog everywhere and like the atmosphere is just dripping. Action when it kicks in is so fucking good and so fucking violent and the effects are so fucking gross. And this is the cut down version that got put into theaters. I can't wait to see what else this thing goes. Like how much more excessive it gets. It's yeah. such a good fucking movie. It's so much fucking fun. It's great. And the money spent well. The money's put in the right places. The acting is again very well done. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. You're left with some blue balls in the weapons part. Except for the flamethrower. They're constantly using that. But fucking the shotgun. And then, of course, the car dying. That murdered me. Okay. Now, in the original Hellraiser, when they made Hellraiser, they had no idea that people were going to gravitate towards Pinhead like they did. They didn't predict uh, that. They had no clue. So when they started working on Hellraiser 2, they wrote it thinking that Julia was going to be the main evil character. They thought that they'd be able to bring everybody in with that one. They didn't know that people would latch on to the Cenobites and, and Pinhead like they did. Yeah. The four-way shotgun, my friend, is the same thing because they had this giant gas-powered, like natural gas, huge flame ball flamethrower that they had to use and is visually very appealing but that four-way shotgun blast thing maybe they only had one chance at that because the you know they were running out of money for effects or whatever uh-huh. but for whatever reason or maybe they just didn't even know that it was going to catch like, on like it did this won't be as popular as a flamethrower it's right. a flamethrower right but i'm telling you and this is the only time i'm gonna ch- i'm gonna fucking give it away you know and, and tell everybody yeah. don coscarelli has heard your concerns and he will address them for you in the following films I'm very happy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, the only other thing is the trailer does give away the ending. You're absolutely right. But at the same time, like, it's no different than knowing the ending of the other film, you know, because I think the, uh, the ending of the other film where he turns around and the tall man's there and he gets pulled through the mirror, I think that's in the original yeah. trailer, too. So it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everything else is just so well done and well put together that I'm willing to forgive that much egregious thing and Coscarelli probably had no control over that anyway you know I mean yeah I mean I'm just yeah it's just it's it's such a it's a very small thing to pick up, yeah man. yeah and I even love you never know you never know that's gonna be the end yeah I even love Samantha Phillips in this and I totally buy her being this wild child girl that just like totally gets off and like just really into everything that Reggie has to offer you know yeah. and like really really getting into him and like having sex with him and then it turns out that she's just another version of the lady in lavender yep you know damn <laughs> 
But this one fucking got me because they he plays the long game with this one and tricking them. Now, was she? Because she did leave. Now, what if she was a real person, but Tall Man just killed her? Hey, that's a possibility. And, that- and then took her. Because why would Tall Man, why would she actually leave and take Liz's car? I felt that she was the Tall Man Lady in Lavender style all over again because she's dead on a table when he sees her. He has a vision of her there, and then he dreams of her dead later again before she shows up in the car. I think he just, I think that's his whatever his special ability telling him that eventually that girl is going to die oh i always just assumed she was dead all along i I don't think she was dead all along or else she never would have taken liz's car and drove it until it broke down and then found a hearse magically i think you know tall man knew that she was out there and you know that reg told her to get the hell out of there so when the car broke down whether maybe that tall man did that too he sent the hearse there and you know took care of her while you know she was in the hearse killed her and then used her like he as as a new lady in lavender hey that's a distinct possibility too we may have seen it different we may have interpreted it differently but that's the thing that's so amazing about these films neither one of us is really wrong because it could be anything I agree. Yeah. You don't know so much of what's going on. And again, we're coming into these various scenes where we just kind of are already there and then we have to figure out on our own that much time has passed. And then they tell us in some cases, hey, it's been six months, you know, but it's the characters talking to each other, like just talking about how this has been too long. It's done in such a way to where it's not this info dump expository dialogue. It's natural dialogue that you would have where it's like, dude, we've been trying to kill this guy for six months and I haven't gotten laid. You know, that's the kind (laughs) of conversation that you would actually have with someone. These films are just this one in particular, you know, since this is the one that we're reviewing, this is really well done. This is really well put together. And this is how you do a fucking sequel. I agree. Awesome. I'm glad you liked it. Do you have anything else you have to say on this one? Or I I got nothing to add. Yeah, I couldn't already said everything I had to say. All right. Well, then we're going to take the break here. We're going to play the Geek Radio Daily promo. We're going to have some more music that was snagged right out of the end credits of Phantasm 2. When we come back, we actually have some more feedback. Hey, all right. Are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery? Is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world? To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends, gaming group, and loved ones, Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Siegfried. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. Why, they also have a weekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather.
man. So someone took the original Phantasm theme and kind of spruced it up a little bit, added a little bit more flair, a little bit more drama, a little bit more kick to it, and that's what we got here for the end credits. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We don't have time to talk about that. We only have enough. Time for incoming mail! All right. So our boy Darren from the Psychosemantic cast has reached out to us for this week's episode. Oh. Hey, this is Darren. I just wanted to check back in. You're not yet finished with your the Phantasm series. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to say congratulations again. And uh, to let the pressure off Matt as of recording. There, let me check real quick just so I'm not doing that thing when you assume. Uh, let's see. Matt, sigh up. Has still not read my message. And it is about <laughs> six months since it was sent. And I've been realizing that it would logistically take two or three more messages to schedule any sort of recording. And I usually don't plan two years ahead on the show. (laughs) So I want to say, don't worry about it, Matt. Your shitty manners paid off and you are no longer on the hook. And congratulations on all the hard work you do, Court. Darren coming Whoa. out of the corner swinging at you, buddy. Oh, man. I, I'm going to tell you right now. When you put it in months, it sounds way worse than you put it in weeks. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, six fucking months. Uh, you're kind of a dick, aren't you? Listen, yes. Of course I am. <laughs> I want you to know that actually Darren is such a good dude that he doesn't even bode you ill will or anything like that. Oh, I know that. He's just he's just literally like, okay, Court, stop fucking making fun of him for it. That's what he's doing. He's like, we could let know, him off I the think, hook now. I think you should still keep going. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to count it six months and another week, but I, I'm... You, you, know. Know what, you know what? If you stop it now, that's, that's when I'll contact him again. <laughs> All right, so I guess that's how we're going to do it. Let's see if I can make it through the end of the show and not give you shit, right? All right, yeah, let's see. Let's see what you got. All right, let's see if we can do it. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
right, so that was once again right out of the soundtrack from Phantasm 1 being reused. According to the soundtrack track listings of the soundtrack for Soundtrack 2, it was reused. So I huh. guess, I don't know 100% certain or not, but it's listed on soundtrack for Phantasm 2. I'm going to use it and take its word for it, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes, but other places... Always believe what you're told, goddammit. Uh, yeah, no, you should definitely fact check other people at all times and always be skeptical. Oh, well, fine then. If you would like to find other instances where Matt tried to sneaky sideload in the way to be able to start his own cult, you can find the other 308 previous instances of the show where he has done that at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. Cult is such a religious-y word. It's kind of culty. I prefer groupthink. <laughs> If you'd like to take a look at our memes that may help you join in with the group, thank that is available yeah. at our gram of Insta, known as Cinema underscore Psyops. That is the meme repository for all of the memes shared for everyone. The memes are how we get them in the cult. I mean, group think. If you'd also like to join a group that will help you think, you can jump onto Facebook and our Facebook group, Cinema PsyOps, there for group thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely group thinking. Not cult thinking. <clears throat> Saved it. I'm available there as Court PsyOps, and Matt is also available there as Matt PsyOps. Yes, not cult leader PSYOP. So see, it's not a cult, because you that would be on. You can email feedback to Matt, PSYOPMatt at gmail.com, and ask him more about this cult with which he speaks of. No, it's not a cult. It's just some groupthink. Jesus Christ, court. <laughs> you can email feedback to court, cinemapsyopscourt at gmail.com, and let him know that there is no way in hell Matt could successfully lead anything. Yeah, not even like, yeah. Especially not a cult. I've been trying to get like people into this cult for like 10 years now, and it's not working out. <laughs> you can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats who happen to be the world's worst cult leaders on Twitter. I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. <laughs> we would be. We, I don't even think you'd be a good cult leader because eventually I think you'd get sick of all the people asking you, like, what should we do today? And you'd be like, fuck, I don't know. Just leave me the fuck alone. How about that? How's that sound? <laughs> Well, while you're out there asking me what we should do today, and I'm telling you just to leave me the fuck alone, kick the fuck out of this weekend, make it your bitch. Yeah, hello. Gotcha. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say hi first this time. Corpse fucking. Yeah. Corpse fucking. I haven't said hello, hello. I said it like two times. I didn't hear More it for... One. Yeah, I didn't hear it for whatever reason. It just wasn't coming through. Maybe it just was uh, buffering or some shit. Corpse fucking. Corpse fucking. You hearing that? Corpse fucking. Yes, Corpse fucking. perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. Corpse fucking. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, right. I'm set up. You can hear the clips. Are you recording yet? I am recording now. One, two, three. Three.
Good to go. All right, so we had to delay it because um, I was more than prepped and ready to do some work, but Bev is heading out of town with her family. And um, I chose to spend some time with her because I knew I was going to be dropping her off at what I thought was going to be 6 o'clock. Yeah. And then I would have plenty of time to do the clips and everything that I needed to do and get Mac is shot and all of that, right? Uh Uh-huh, of course. So so I hung out with her for as long as possible, and then it got delayed, so I decided I wanted to keep hanging out with Bev, you know, because she's going to be going away for a couple of days. I want to spend as much time with my wife as I can before she goes. So we don't get to the location where they're all meeting up to go for this drive trip until after we watch the entirety of the season finale of Loki is when I finally like drive her there. I get back from dropping her off from the departure point of their of their trip, you know, and uh, I get back to the house and it's seven fifteen. Okay, yeah. And I'm like, all right, there's no way I'm going to be able to do all these clips and give Mac his shot early and be able to watch him. Either way, I'm going to be delayed until I'm done with one thing or the other. So my decision was I would just basically do what I did, where I was like, I texted you, told you what was happening, and then did all this shit. And I'm just like fucking so stressed trying to get all this shit done after the power outage and all of this kind of shit. Yeah, of and course. Like, I want to give Bev's sister like a modicum of shit on the air here. All right. Just to fucking vent. Um, well, actually, like th- their family. They're notorious yeah. for not being on time. Like, like they'll show up early. They'll show up late, but they never really show up on time ever. Actually, uh-huh. I don't think they ever show up early. They usually are like late. We tried to have them over for like a snacking lunch thing and may- maybe play a round of cards. Yeah. In like the early afternoon. It was supposed to be lunch lunchtime. They didn't show up till four o'clock on us once. Yeah. So 45 minutes after they wanted to leave to take this long fucking 18 hour drive that they're doing straight in shifts, they finally make it there, I guess. Oh my (laughs) lord. Oh no, that's when I dropped Bev off 45-ish minutes later. They they might not have left yet. Yeah, they, they, they were not there, I do not think. When I got home at like 7.05, I don't think they were still there. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Punctuality, people. Why have that? Who are you? <laughs> Stop acting like you're better than everyone. <laughs> I'm at least on time more. Yeah, stop it. Stop doing that shit. And you know you're making everyone else feel bad? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I feel better now, so we're good. And nobody's oh, going to hear go. this till the end of the show anyway, so we're good. Yeah, fuck it. They don't listen. <laughs> yeah, I needed, I needed to vent. I needed to get that out. So I'm feeling feeling really good. I'm feeling like I can do a, a long, you know, hello yell like I always fucking do. Yeah, that's good. We need that. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think I, I'm, I'm feeling the energy. How about you? Right? Yeah, I'm feeling it. Let's go. All right. Okay. Here we fucking go. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> fucked up. No, I didn't fuck up. I'll, I, I just, um, the fucking sound plant thing is really pissing me off. It doesn't play the first clip. Like it doesn't play the audio for some reason. Weird. Yeah. Like whenever, whenever I play the Legion Patreon ad and then I go into the, the music afterwards, it fucks up and it just doesn't play the sound for the music afterwards. It mm-hmm. just completely stops it. And I have no idea why. And I haven't been able to figure it out. That's why I hit the yeah. button to try and make sure it had audio. And then I tried to hit play it again. <laughs> That's why I'm frustrated. Badasses always walk away from something they just destroyed and not look. That's why I always walk away from your toilet and I don't look. <laughs> I just wish DeJoy would do that with the fucking mail. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, that was just for you and me. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. But he only looks to make sure he doesn't get hit by debris as he's walking away. That's it. And like- even, oh, sorry, hold on. Oh, crap. Okay. Maybe almost like, God, these kids call that an explosion? Fucking Christ. <laughs> I'm going to send a fucking hurricane force winds on the plane yeah. at two guys in Omaha talking about yeah. this movie. Hey, Omaha, you ever had a hurricane before? <laughs>
And I'm like, we must be dreaming. You're not. <laughs> it was a plane of cane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good one. So anyway, <laughs> you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I was just taking I- a hit off my vape. Uh, let's see here. Where am I? I just wanted to... Right after the pissing. button. I just wanted to make people hear pissing. me what we should do today and i'm telling you just to leave me the fuck alone kick the fuck out of this weekend make it your bitch <laughs> okay i guess we're out on that one uh, uh, I, you didn't leave me with much to transition from there not really none on that <laughs> it worked, i've though. stopped recording